Well, good morning. It is wonderful to have you all here this morning. And please turn me with me in the red hymnals to number 549, and we'll sing the doxology together. 549 in the red hymnal, and we'll sing the doxology together.
please join me in prayer this morning. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that you give us this wonderful opportunity to come and worship you right now. And Lord, we pause to bring before you the needs and requests that we have in our lives. And Lord, you know what those needs are. You know the challenges that we are facing, the fears that we are trying to get through, the things in our lives that we're trying to deal with. And God, we just lift them all up before you right now. And God, not only do we think of our situations, but we think of the situations of family members and friends and fellow patients throughout this medical center, of family members that will be visiting. Lord, we lift all these needs up to you. And God, in one heart and one purpose, Lord, we just ask that you would intervene in all of these circumstances in a very unique and special way, according to your will and purpose for our lives. And Lord, we are just so thankful that we have this opportunity to worship. We do not take it for granted. And we are so thankful for the servicemen and women that have made so many sacrifices that we have the opportunity to freely worship in this medical center. And we praise you for that. And God, we are so thankful that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for praying with me this morning. Ouch! If you were sleeping, you're awake right now. Number 278 is our next hymn, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. 278, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name.
scripture reading this morning is actually in your bulletin. It's 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures, to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. God, we have come here to worship you this morning. And Lord, we have been worshiping you with our prayers, with our songs of praise, and Lord, with the scriptures that we have read. And God, I would ask that you would comfort each and every one of our hearts as we desire to continue to worship you. And Lord, we just praise you for this opportunity once again. In Christ's name, amen. You know, the other day I was talking with some friends of mine and I asked them within their own lives what type of person they were. And I defined for them what I was asking. So I'm defining for you the same thing. Are you a today person? A today person is someone who only thinks about what is going on today, a little bit into the future, not very far in terms of planning things, and so a today person usually is concentrating on the day-to-day tasks. A today person usually concentrates on those details because they have to have a plan into the future. A today person doesn't think too much about the past, and a today person does not think too much about the future beyond maybe the next six months or maybe a year. So their today is right now in the here and now. And I also asked, by defining. Now, some of you might be a tomorrow person in which you think only about tomorrow, the things that have happened in the past. And when you think about those things, that's your whole focus. In other words, you live today and you live for the future based on what is going to happen in tomorrow or in the past. Did I mess that up? No. I got it right. Okay. See, even I get confused trying to define this, right? So are you a future person? In other words, the future is what you think about. In other words, you're one of these people that has the vision, the vision for your life, the vision for your relationship, the vision for other people in terms of things that they can achieve and things that they can accomplish. And so as I was asking my friends, as I was trying to define what type of person they were in terms of how they think, I told them about how I thought. 
And I am not a today person whatsoever. I get the today tasks done because they need to be done and they have to be done. But I'm usually thinking about the past or I am thinking about the future. And we're talking about outside one year. So I am not thinking about anything in the immediate. I'm always thinking about the past or I am thinking about the future. And that kind of makes sense in terms of who I am. My degrees are in history, right? That's no big surprise there. That kind of goes along with that past thinking. And as I was talking with my friends about this, we were sharing that in a lot of ways we're kind of a combination, I think in different ways. In other words, we're taught to do certain things, certain tasks, to think a certain way. But I think generally we think in two realms in terms of our relationship. I know with my wife, and I don't think she'll be upset to share this, she is a today person. And I am not. And so consequently, when I have one of these visions for the future, and I present it to her, she's all of a sudden in crisis. Why? Because she's thinking about today and all the details that it entails to get to the future, right? To the things that I am envisioning. And so we've had to learn, and we've learned this over time, is that when I present an idea to her because she is a today person, I have to give her an opportunity to think about it. And I also have to tell her that my plan for the future or my vision for the future is not an expectation that has to be met. Does that make sense? So I think sometimes if you are a thinking about the future and you're that type of person in your thinking, when you're talking to somebody who is in a today type of thinking person, they get all flustered and very pressured because you're trying to talk to them about something that's outside the six months to the year range and they don't, they don't think that far. They don't progress that far because that's not who they are. So I have learned that when I present a business for the future, I give her the time that she needs to digest that. Because those of us, if anybody here is a future thinker like me, envision the future, what it's going to be, you're, some of you are smiling. Okay. So generally, if you think that way, right, when you present your idea to the people that are closest to you, you've already thought about it, you've already processed it, you've already made the decision, and now all of a sudden you're presenting this idea. And so to, new per, to a today person, it's a new idea. It's a brand new fresh idea. So when we think about those things and we think about the scriptures that we have just read this morning, think about where you fit in in terms of your thinking. Are you just a today person? Which is okay. Are you a tomorrow person? Which is okay. Are you someone that thinks about the future, the past, a combination of maybe two or three of those things? All of those things are okay because that's who we are. That's how God created us. So when I think about the sermon today, I'm trying to think about today, right? But I also am thinking about tomorrow. So when we think about today and tomorrow in our walk with the Lord, what do we think about? Or do we even pause for a moment just to even think about our relationship with God today? And where is it going tomorrow? Where is it leading us in our lives for tomorrow? And each of us represents a lifestyle in terms of how we think, how we process things, but also, more importantly, in our walk with the Lord, 
we too show a lifestyle that reflects our relationship with God. And in that, in our own lifestyle, that reflects a relationship that we have with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, is something that we process. It's something that we work through. Sometimes we don't spend a lot of time thinking about it because we think for the most part it comes naturally, and sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. I don't know about you, but for me, I have to work on some of those things because it is not always easy to be walking with the Lord. But God wants us to live a lifestyle that reflects of the grace that has been given each and every one of us. The grace in our lives that reflect of the fact that you and I have become one with God through his Son, Jesus Christ. And that's not always easy to do. Whether you're a today person, whether you're a tomorrow person, whether you think of the, of the things that have happened in the past. But there's one element of God's love for each and every one of us that transcends the present, that transcends the future, and that transcends the past. And that is understanding God's grace for our lives. And God's grace means that we are forgiven regardless of what we have done in the past, regardless of what we have done today, regardless of what we will do tomorrow. And if we incorporate that in our lives as we walk each day with God, there is an anticipation that we can have, that we should have, about our walk with God. In anticipation, understanding that as God has granted us that grace and that forgiveness that none of us deserve, that none of us have ever done anything to achieve or to obtain, and when we understand that, when we incorporate that into our lives, we begin to practice grace with each other. And it doesn't mean that we don't make tough decisions. It doesn't mean that we don't practice tough love in certain circumstances and relationships that we have. But we do so with grace. We do so with compassion. I saw a quote the other day from Dr. Francis Schaeffer, and that quote specifically had to do with the whole idea of truth. And then as we go through life, we need to confront each other and ourselves with the truth of our lives, with the truth of our relationship with God. But as we confront each other with that truth, because truth does require confrontation on some form of platform, but when we do that, we do so with compassion. We do so with love. But truth, nonetheless, needs to be heard. And our own lives reflect the truth of what we truly are. Reflects the truth of, of what we believe in. And if we are walking with God, and if we are walking with God's grace, the lifestyle that reveals that truth is that you and I live with anticipation about today and the things that we can do 
for God. The things that we can do for each other. The anticipation about the things that we can do to show and to reveal to others the same way that God has loved us. God loves them in the same way. And if we live that way, if we have a life of anticipation of today and tomorrow, we also understand that as God's grace is part of our lives, we stand before God blameless. And the scriptures tell us that our sins are forgiven as far as the east is from the west. It doesn't give us carte blanche to sin anytime we want or to do anything that we want to do just because it happens to please us. On the contrary, if we reflect that principle within our own lives, it reminds us that we have a responsibility and a commitment to demonstrate to the people that are in our lives how much God loves them because he has loved us. But if you are a today person and you only think about today, I personally think that that's a good way to think, even though I don't think that way. Because my wife seems to be very much at peace because she's just thinking about today. And there are times I'm probably not at peace because I'm anxious about tomorrow. Because tomorrow can't happen fast enough. I want my plans to happen now, and I can't wait. And I become impatient. Anyone else like that? (laughs) And so, with anticipation, I can't contain myself. It's got to happen. But you see, that's where God's grace comes in. Because God's grace reminds us to throttle back a little bit, take our foot off the accelerator a little bit, and just rest in our relationship with God for today. And in doing so, we are showing and reflecting and in anticipation, waiting for God's will to happen in our lives. And it doesn't mean that we sit idle, but what it does mean, though, is we make our plans We allow God's grace to be part of our lives and part of those plans. And then we begin to see things in a different way. We begin to see that that anticipation requires us to be patient. I hate that word, to be patient. But I know it's a word that represents so many things in my life that I just need to say to myself, I just need to be patient then all of a sudden my thinking about certain things changes. You know what I'm talking about? When you just say, when somebody says to you, you just need to be patient. It's not a criticism. For me, when Lynn tells me to be patient, it's a truth that I need to be confronted with. (laughs) And she does so with compassion. But it reminds me that I just need to allow God's grace to work in my life. To work in my life to reveal God's love for me and also for the people that I come in contact with. And when I'm doing that, when I'm doing those things, I'm truly giving a lifestyle application about who I am in the Lord. A lifestyle application that requires 
that God has committed to me his son Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sins and to give me that grace. And in the same way, a lifestyle of commitment and application to God and to show God's love to others. But you know, a lot of times when we think of that commitment about God, we think too many times that it's a commitment based on constraint. And God does not want a commitment from us based on constraint. He wants us to be committed to him because we want to be, not because of constraint. Think about that for a minute. When you are committed to someone and you want somebody to be committed to you, do you want them to be committed to you or do you want to be committed to someone else because you have to? Or do you have a commitment that reflects those things because you want to? And what is the difference between have to and want to? The difference is your attitude, right? The difference is the attitude of the other person. The big difference between wanting to do something versus have to do something. And it reflects our lives. If I am claiming to be a follower of Jesus Christ and I'm doing so only because God has given me this fire insurance policy that has saved me from hell because I believed in Jesus Christ and that constraint requires me to fulfill certain obligations because I have to, what kind of relationship is that? Think about the relationships that you're a part of. I always like to use the military as an example because I'm still serving. And I always use the example of the military because if you have a long career in the military, like I have, and my career is getting towards the end, there have been times when I did things because I had to, not because I wanted to. But when I look at the service that I have had in the military, the best times that I've had was when? When I wanted to, right? Not when I had to. Think about that for a minute. The relationships that you have in your life, when are they the best? When are they just so great that you wish you could just take it put it in a bottle and just have it with you any time that you needed it. And you could just take the lid off and, ah, oh, good, and put it back on, right? It's those relationships in which you wanted to and the people wanted to be with you. Have you ever been in an environment, whether it's in school or within your family or at the workplace where... And you only experience this a couple of times in your life when everybody just kind of works together, they get along, there's no drama, everybody works towards those common goals, and you have that sense of belonging. And it only happens a couple times in your lifetime. And you think about those relationships. And what was the difference? The difference was because people were together because they wanted to be there. They wanted to be together, not because 
they had to. And God wants us to walk with Him in the same way. A commitment that reveals the fact is that we want to be a Christian. We want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We want to be examples of that truth. We want to tell others of that truth. But in a compassionate and loving way. We want to come to worship freely. We want to read the scriptures because we learn things from them. We want to sing hymns. Some of you may not want to do that, but that's all we have here is hymns. Because I want to sing hymns. And every once in a while we get rocking on a hymn, and I, and I think some of you have actually been here when we start rocking on a hymn, and I'm like, that's... Yeah, I think some of you have been here like, that, that's, as, that's, that's as, yeah, that's right. That's, that's about as rocky as it gets. <laughs> that's right. But once again, though, it's because we want to be together. And even hearing your laughter, right, you're doing so because you want to. And that's how God wants us to walk with him. That's how the application of our lives is made in our lifestyle. And yes, we don't always get it right. And yes, we make mistakes. And maybe, maybe sometimes it's only a 50% solution or a 60% solution. And maybe we're always trying for that 100% solution and we can never get there. But that's okay. Because you are trying to make it better for your life. And consequently, your efforts are making it better for the other people that are involved in your life as well. Did you ever think about that? When you do things for the betterment of yourself, that the people that are around you, that love you, that care for you, they too benefit from those positive changes that you make in your own life. And so in that sense, it is a win-win. And I believe that that's what we are being told here. That as we walk with God, as we understand God's grace in our lives, as we have a practical application of that grace that reflects a commitment because we want to do something, we want to reflect God's love, and then in doing so we know that that walk is not easy. We know that that walk has many challenges. But yet we can also see the benefits of walking through those challenges. The benefits of overcoming those things that we struggle with. And it's not within our own power. It's not within our own strength. It is something greater than ourselves that many times we cannot explain. But yet it's there for us. Maybe it is the word grace. Maybe it is the word forgiveness. Maybe it is the word love. Maybe it is the word honesty. Maybe it is the word truth. But our lives reflect what we allow God to work on in our lives. And that is a truth that we cannot hide from ourselves or anyone else. Because my life can only reflect those things that I have allowed God to work on in my life. That's a truth. And sometimes I don't want to face that truth 
I don't want to admit to that truth. Because what that truth tells me is, I have so many other things that I have to work on. Because I want to. Not because I have to. But it is is that truth, as we understand that about ourselves, that we grow in grace when we do something that's very important to this whole process. Is we need to be able to forgive ourselves. I have a hard time doing that because I have a standard about myself of expectations, you know what I'm talking about, that I didn't measure up, that I failed, I did the wrong thing. But you know what? That first step in that process of understanding God's grace is for us to be able to forgive ourselves. And that's what happens when I think about the past. If you're a person that thinks about the past, I think about all the what-ifs and the if-onlys. But then I have to be reminded that God's grace takes all of those things away. And they are no longer there in the eyes of God. And so therefore, they should no longer be in my eyes as well. And when we do that for ourselves, then we can see the power of forgiveness at work because we have experienced it personally. And then we can see and show and demonstrate to others that power of forgiveness that is there for everyone that we come in contact with. And it helps us to understand that with that grace and with that power of forgiveness that we can live a righteous life. We can do things that reflect a godly attitude, a godly way of living that represents the growing of God's grace in our lives spiritually. The growing of the grace of God that as we look at our life and the lives of others we have a deeper appreciation for the relationships that we have because we are growing in God in our lives. And what is sad about that is when we see people that instead of growing in God for their lives, they're growing in themselves for their lives. And we can see where that is heading for them. And we know it's going to end very poorly and probably very badly for them. And so we cry out for them, don't we? I mean, you think of somebody that's heading down that road that perhaps you've been down before and you're trying to tell them in a nice, loving way, maybe even yelling at times, don't go that way because you know where it leads. That's because you have traveled a distance the other way walking in God's race, that you can actually see those things in other people, and you want to help them. When I talk with people about different things, if I've been there before, I embrace that in a very different way, if you know what I'm talking about. And as we see that, and as we grow with God, and we appreciate God, we can see the love that he has for us more and more, and it just gets better and better and better. 
And we see the obedience that God wants us to have is not an obedience that is nagging, that is pestering, that is a have-to obedience. But it's obedience because we want to, because it is the right thing to do for our lives and for the lives of others. And we grow and our character begins to change for the better. Our character becomes one of strength. Because then we see in the relationships that we have God's grace. And then we have a deeper appreciation for each other because of that. You know, I have said in the past, thank you for coming, coming to worship with us. And I truly do mean that. And it's because we are doing something very unique here in this place is because everybody's here because they want to be here. (laughs) Not because they have to be here. Big difference, right? And there's an appreciation that goes along with that. And I think in the same way as we think about our relationship with God, God wants us to grow close to Him because we just so appreciate being with God and having the presence of His Spirit in our lives that reminds us again and again and again that we have opportunities every day to live a life that glorifies God now in the present, in the today. But then what's also cool about this is as we think about our relationship with God We think also of the appreciation of God in our lives in terms of our act of worship that is something that deserves our glory into the future, which means forever. So you see, regardless of how you think, whether it's today or tomorrow or the past, God's grace and our acknowledgement of appreciation for that is in the present It is in the future, and it is also in the past. Because that's how all of those things come together in our lives. As we walk with God, to have confidence in the present, to have confidence in the future, and to have confidence in the past, because God has reminded us that that past is exactly where it needs to be in the past and that we go forward with him each day looking forward to the future in all things Amen let us partake of communion right now and prepare our hearts as we go before him something that we do publicly to remind ourselves and to remind each other that we believe that Jesus Christ is our Savior. And we demonstrate that when we take communion together. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are so thankful and it is with appreciation that you have reminded us the things that you want us to do in our lives to reflect an attitude of want to. And God, Right now we understand that and we want to take communion together individually, collectively 
as a body of believers in your Son, Jesus Christ. Because you love us and we love you. Thank you, God, for giving us that grace, forgiving us of our sins, to remind us that we need to forgive ourselves and all things, and to go forward with you. Amen. from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. In the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake together. Our closing hymn is number 325, Crown Him with Many Crowns.
gracious God, help us to reflect that grace and that commitment to you because we want to, because you love us and we love you. Only in your power and strength can we accomplish this. Help us now, we pray. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for coming.